podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Here comes Bosco's Boys, here comes Bosco's Boys, right down Bosco's Boys Lane. Santa Claus, Scott, and all the boneheads on Willie's crazy train. Chauncey's chewing on a crimson elephant toy, what a beautiful noise. Hang your stockings and fill them with sugar, here comes Bosco's Boys. Boys are back, and despite me thinking this might be the week we don't get five shows out, there is one man who saved us all. He once was the most promising young man in sports talk radio, and now he is a superstar in the world of covering the Cats uh, behind the paywall, but also you hear him back in his native homeland on the game with Mitch Fortner on occasion. I think maybe one of the best-looking humans I know. It is the man, the myth, the legend, the head honcho over at EMA Online on the Rivals na- uh, Network, Mason Both Mason, welcome back to Bosco's, boys. I'm going to start off with this before I even give you a chance to make any statements. How does it feel knowing that you were the hot hand, you were you know, the guy that we called on when we needed win after win after win uh, during primer season down the stretch on Bosco's boys whip around shows. Uh, It was, it was meaningful. It was very impactful to me uh, to be able to be that guy and carry the team. Really. Um, I I kept coming and talking for you. I'm waiting for uh, Chris Kleiman's call just to come talk to the team in new Orleans before the game. I don't know, like uh, Friday night beforehand, if the, you know, they're all in the, like the meeting room of the hotel like we got a special guest for you and i walk in there and i'd probably say some disparaging things about nick saban um i would have to be like hey uh can can we have ben newman leave the room this is a little awkward he has me blocked on twitter so i don't want him hearing my my vocal thoughts either um i and real quick on that i don't know why he has me blocked i think i only have two career tweets that have anything to do with ben newman and none of them are negative um did you like anything that might have been negative i don't know there was one sarcastic tweet uh our boy grant flanders made a made a post last year uh during the oklahoma state football game and said that k-state's gonna need like uh he may have said something like a a disney-like halftime turnaround uh and i responded i just said well ben newman is in the building tonight so that could have done it, uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Hey, you know, so that works for some people, and it works for the Cats. So props to Ben Newman and, and props to Chris Kleiman for doing that. But it did mean a lot to get to do the primers because at first I was like, well, I'm glad I'm getting to do it for the West Virginia game, but damn, kind of feels like I got slided with KU next week. Like that's the one where I really want to shine. And then fortunately enough, you're like, hey, do you want to come back? I was like, yeah. And then at that point, I put a winning streak together. So I had to come back uh, and get him to take down the Frogs. And my final score prediction was pretty close. I was only like a total of six points off in that one because uh, I think I, I ended up going with 33-31, kind of a weird score. Um, but it, it worked out. So uh, if you need me in a couple of weeks for when the boys go down to New Orleans, uh, can do that. Or, I mean, 
Ed Orgeron is probably somebody I can get you in a connection with if you need him for the primer too. You know, uh, I I think we might spoiler alert. Uh, I we may may as well see it through the end of the season. You know, if because with a uh, and and I'll actually no, I'm gonna save that one for later. But uh, we might as well. The, the, there is a winning streak, so I I think we might just have to go with that. Um, before we get into talking about uh, the K State football and basketball teams specifically, remember our show is sponsored by. Manhattan Brewing Company, home of the freshest and most delicious craft beer in the entire state of Kansas. You can find it in all sorts of liquor stores across the state of Kansas. And if yours, if your favorite one doesn't have them, I'm not saying cause a scene until they do, but I'm not not saying cause a scene. So do with that information what you might. Uh, they also have some great Christmas decorations up there. So if you're in Manhattan, in the next 10 days, you want to get in the Christmas spirit, get a pint down at Manhattan Brewing Company. They also have a full bar as well. All right, Mason, uh, I want to ask you this. Um, as someone, probably someone who is who uh, I strive to be at the same level as you, and that is hating the Wichita State basketball team, um, how good does it feel, uh, the series that I think you and I both agree, probably in a perfect world, wouldn't have even scheduled, but how good does it feel to be up 2-0 in this series on Wichita State? Uh, feels great, especially since K-State's trajectory is going up and Wichita State's is going down right now. And that means that K-State, in that scenario, has won the first two meetings with teams that, in theory, should not be better than Wichita State. I mean, Wichita State had just won a conference title, and K-State beats them in Wichita without without Nigel Pack like I had picked K-State to win that game last year and then like I get done with the the pregame show I was doing on radio in Wichita and uh, I I walked down there and there was like uh, Nigel Pack's not playing today I'm like ah crap well that sucks and they were still able to beat him without Nigel Pack and then they were able to find a way to kind of grit and grind their way through the game in Manhattan um that I mean that was a tough watch for me um, because when I'm, when I'm at games now, like I'm in full, like work mode, this is my job, whatever. But at the end of the day, like I'm still a dude that grew up with parents that went to K-State that like, that was the number one thing in my childhood. And I went to school there and spent four years there and I still love K-State and I still want to see K-State succeed. And number two to seeing K-State succeed, I want to see Wichita State be miserable because, they are not the best of people to deal with when you grow up in my area of Kansas. I, I try to explain this to people. It, yes, like there's that KU rivalry that is there, but when KU and Wichita State are playing each other head to head, go Jayhawks because like that they're supposed to win that game. Like KU fans can be a little tough to deal with at times, but they have also earned some of that right to to kind of peacock around because. They do have the national championships. They are a very talented basketball team. And Wichita State fans, they made that two-year stretch act like they were the creators of basketball, you know? like I, So I, I do have a lot of distaste for uh, Wichita State. It's not for any of the people there. Like, I think they hired a, a great athletic director uh, and some of the other people that I got to know my time in Wichita uh, were, were great, but their fans could certainly tone it down a little bit. So I don't mind when bad things happen. Uh, so this series between K-State and Wichita State means a bunch to me. And uh, Alec Bussey, who I work with, and Mitch Fortner, who I used to work with, were in that hotel with me in Texas 
watching that game and they saw me sweating it out and uh, going through the highs and lows of a tight game with Wichita State. Yeah, I, I was alone in, in, in a hotel room watching that because I, I then was flying uh, back to Kansas City at like 5.30 the next morning. Um, so uh, I was it, it was an emotional roller coaster for me. I'm, I'm glad Noel, uh, similar to last year, hit that dagger three to kind of uh, put an end to that. I, I'll let you I'll say this. I, I, I've said this a few times. I'm a I'm not disappointed at all about going to the Big 12 championship and winning it. But I, I feel like that had the potential to be the first, okay, the octagon of doom is really back game. Uh, with all those K-State fans uh, not able to be there, you know, when is going to be that first game? I mean, you look at the schedule, it's not going to be New Year's Eve. Uh, every, so many folks will be in uh, New Orleans. So I, I guess I'm just like, uh, you know, I, I, won I wonder when we're going to get that first taste of it truly being back. Well, it's it that's it's so tough uh, because that I think that game it would have been because I do think that there's quite a bit of people around K State that have that same feeling as I do. Like, man, we had to put up with all this stuff from Wichita State people for like this two or three year stretch where they were you know solid at basketball. Like they they broke into a Final Four that is great, and they had some other good seasons in a terrible conference. Props, you know, you can only play who's on the schedule. You beat them. Good for you. But there's so much there where you go, you're still not above what K-State is, and you're still not above what KU is. So pipe down, and, and and I don't know that you really want to play. And that's the thing where I would get really bothered when people would act like, you know, oh, well, K-State's dodging Wichita State. Both teams were dodging each other. Like, Bruce Weber didn't want to play Wichita State when they were going through their stuff because Bruce Weber didn't have very good teams then. And then K-State, when Bruce Weber started to feel like he had it going – Greg Marshall didn't want to play those games and they finally got it done when both of them were at kind of a, a low point and ultimately it ended up working in K-State's favor. I, I will give props to the students from like what it looked like on TV and from what I was told, still a very good student crowd for that game against Wichita State, considering I'm sure there was a large number in Texas and a good crowd, you know, like any other non-con game over the weekend, I'd be like this pretty impressive crowd. It is unfortunate that it wasn't able to be, you know, absolutely full, but it's kind of tough. Like if you look at the the schedule for K-State, so it's not going to be West Virginia, like you said, because there's going to be a ton of people in New Orleans. After that, they don't play a Saturday home game again until January 21st against Texas Tech. But they do have KU on, it's like a Monday or a Tuesday, the 17th. Yeah, to me, like that 630, Joe. I mean – yeah, about, yeah, like, that's I a mean, six o'clock tip. It, it'll be great for the students, uh, but I think about you know all the Johnson County folks yeah. like me, and then all the Wichita fans like you. You know, uh, you're gonna have to be like saying, "Sorry, boss, I gotta log off at three thirty yeah. and hightail it to Manhattan." So, um, again, I, I think I think the students for the first time in the better part of you know six years will actually fill the, their seats for that KU game because. It hasn't been filled like last year. There were still, you know, a good few hundred seats granted, you know, they've lost even more seats over this past year with the addition of the media seats and uh, some of the luxury seats. Uh, but I, I think that one, they will be full. It will be interested to see, interesting to see how many empties are in the chair backs are in the bleacher seats, you know, in the corners that aren't mm -hmm. students, because again, 6 PM, 
on a Tuesday versus KU. Ooh, it's kind of hurting the out of town fans. Yeah, that's a it is a tough one. Um, I, I would hope though that you know most people there's going to be the tang energy and I'll it's KU, so, there, so it'll always you know kind of pick up. It is unfortunate because like last year, if they could have played that game against KU. What was it like one o'clock on a Saturday? They played them last year in Manhattan. Like that would have been perfect for this year. It's unfortunate that the schedule uh, didn't end up working out that way. But I, I think that that's probably the game where you may feel it. But I think for it to feel like, you know, the Octagon of Doom is actually back, it's going to have to be consistent for, you know, a string of games. So, like for KU, you're probably going to go, well, this is kind of a normal KU crowd. It's always loud and rowdy for that. It's going to be like, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule here. If like by the time like Texas gets here in early February, that's the one where if it feels like it's been backed up and you've done it for everybody, that's when you might feel like, okay, something's really brewing here. And I do truly believe that it's going to get to that point. Like uh, the, not only does Tang and his staff have a ton of energy with fans, but like just because he's new and he's talented and they, they're so good at their jobs, but they're just so relatable and personable that I think this staff, like even if K-State starts off and, and struggles in conference play, um, people are still going to come out and support this team because they have a deeper connection to everybody involved in it right now than what they did over the last few years. Because really the last few years, it, the connection was Bruce Weber and this team play at the school that I went to and I love. It wasn't, I love these guys on this team. Like, Nigel Pack was the closest that we could get to that. And, and, you know, I think like Mark Smith kind of ingratiated himself a little bit last year with how he played in conference play, but there was none of this like deeper connection, but now you can get to the end of, of February and into March and the team may have not the best of records anymore, but I still think that place will be packed and people will be excited because they know it's building for something and they see the care and interest that Tang and his staff have put into it, they'll give it back. So I expect it to, to stay pretty consistent through the year. Um, I just hopefully we're able to experience uh, bringing the doom back quicker than, than what maybe some would think. We're about 10 games into – well, not about. We are 10 games into the season, which is about, you know, 33% of the way through the season – uh, in the first 10 games of the Tang era, have uh, the Cats lived up to your expectations, exceed your expectations? I can't imagine they, they're they below anyone's expectations, but what, where do they kind of land on that spectrum for you? Um, I, I think they're a little above it. I, I probably thought that they would have two or three losses at this point, maybe. I, I figured that they would lose one in the Cayman Islands, so the fact that they didn't uh, is significant. And then, you know, the loss to Butler, it, it, it's kind of a bummer the way it went down. But, you know, to ask a, a new, a totally new team with a totally new staff to start 10 and 0, even if it's, you know, not the best of schedules, that's a really tall task to, to handle. Um, so they're probably right there. And I think I've been encouraged by, you know, the, the main four or five guys and, and some of the things that they do. Um, now it's just kind of waiting to see if they can take that next step and, and kind of get over the hump and, and finish the job with some of it, but they're probably exceeding my expectations a little bit. And honestly, we'll just see how it comes down to conference play. Like they got to beat Nebraska on Saturday. That's, that's a big deal to me, um, is you're playing basically a home game and you're going to be facing a team that is at your level. Probably you should find a way to win that one. 
and then at that point, like get in and get out against Radford the following week. And now you're ready for, for conference play and everything that will come with it. So I'm, I'm hopeful that this kind of continues and they get to conference play and then we can really see what it's like. I mean, it wasn't like it was a, a stellar team last year. It was just a team with one really good player and then two other guys that occasionally could step up. Um, and they were able to be competitive with pretty much everybody in the league at any point last season. And this team is coached better this year. The guys are more bought in. And I think there's more consistent, good players on this team. So I think K-State's going to have every chance to battle. So I think at this point, um, I, I'm pretty pleased with what I'm seeing. And it's it's exceeded expectations. See, that's the problem. I sometimes mute myself and forget where the mute button is. Uh, th that Nebraska game is going to be a massive one. And like you said, if they, if they can get those two games and then get into conference play, uh, I, I don't know if we got your official prediction uh, on the show, but uh, as we're sitting here 10 games in, are, are you thinking this team is going to be dancing uh, come March, you know, middle of March? Um, it's It seems like such a tall task when when you think about it. But as I sit here and like thinking about where the, the big 12 is at right now, there's a possibility that Texas just free falls right now um, because who knows what that situation looks like. They struggled at home with rice the other night. And I, I, I don't know how you really bounce back from your head coach getting arrested for something that serious, you know, like Gonzaga was able to handle Mark few getting a DUI because it, it, you know, you should never get a DUI, but they happen. Nobody got seriously injured and it's a pretty common thing. And it's not like, Oh, Mark Few's facing jail time. This is a totally different deal for them. So I could see that going uh, awry. I don't think Oklahoma state is very good. Like they, they're going to be scrappy and battle, but man, I, I wish Mike Boynton was a good basketball coach. I don't think he is though. Like, and some people push back when I say that, but what has he done outside of, you know, having Cade Cunningham's brother, on his staff. Like they've been able to recruit fairly well, but actually do something with it, win some of these games. So they can handle Oklahoma state, Texas tech seems like there's probably a little bit of a mess going on down there right now. Um, and, and I don't think Mark Adams is going to be able to hold on to that thing. Like he wants to, I was a little surprised they were as good as they were last year. I, I just kind of felt like that would slip off at some point. Um, and, and then at that point, like you're just trying to, to figure everywhere else. Cause if you finish, seventh in this league you're probably getting into the ncaa tournament um but west virginia has had their moments where they've played better than i thought they would but I, i'm still hey, not that's convinced. like a top 10 team if you ask net whatever that formula yeah. is i i don't know i'm skeptical on west virginia um I, I think this all could kind of fall out from under them and then oklahoma is a weird one too like they've battled with some teams but they also have some some big drops at, at points. So K-State, like there's no reason to think they can't uh, hang in there with all of them and give themselves every chance. I just, you know, playing the numbers game, Gabe Swartz is a guy that that does some stuff for us. And uh, at, early in the season, he went through and he looked at all the first-year coaches in the history of the Big 12. So since the league started to now, what has been the result of first-year head coaches in their seasons? And I think it was something like in the four to six range, uh, of the 25 plus hires or more, whatever, um, had ended up making the NCAA tournament in their first year. So the percentages don't seem to indicate it can happen for K-State. I think they'll have the opportunity to, uh, but at this point, without having seen, you know, even half the season get played out, I'm just going to say no right now. 
Um, but it is definitely something that that is possible at this point. We'll transition to a little bit of football talk before we end with a classic. One of my favorite uh, bits that you guys did back on the game, book it or cook it. Uh, but let's talk football. Um, Deuce Vaughn just today hit uh, the mark that he needed to. He is K-State's second ever uh, consensus uh, first-team All-American twice. So him and Chris Canty, the only two cats to do it twice. Um, what does that do to Deuce Vaughn's legacy? What does that uh, say when uh, folks are going to look back on Deuce Vaughn's career? What does that do for his legacy? Uh, I mean, I think his legacy was going to be cemented one way or the other, but it does, it, it makes it stand up even better now. Like where p- people like me are going to be telling, you know, grandkids, however many years from now, like, yeah, you know, this guy, when I was, you know, in my twenties, like he was the real deal and people would be like, ah, okay, whatever, you know, like just stories. Like we, we see Steve Grogan's name uh, up on the, the side of the stadium and we're like, Okay, whatever. You know, they were, was that even football back then that they were playing? Well, and, and it's funny that you picked one of the two guys who are up there for what they did in the NFL and not what they did. At yeah, State, exactly. So it's, you know, like people will tell you, oh, well, this, this, and this. It's like, okay, you know, like uh, whatever. Um, but now you have like the tangible thing to be like, okay, it's not just me telling war stories about you should have seen what he did to Gavin Potter in 2020 or – Oh man, the the play that he made to score in the Big Twelve Championship game, like that was awesome. You have the tangible things, like he was he was a consensus All American twice at K State. Like it doesn't happen every year for for K State. So you have that. It helps the, the resume there. Um, and, and I really just think like overall, and, and this is probably the cheesy side of K State. Sometimes is like you're just happy for a dude like that to succeed at your school. Um, somebody that, that was overlooked at times, people didn't give much thought to, and he comes in and he just dominates and everything he's gotten, he's deserved. And sometimes I think, uh, those of us in the K-State community have this mindset of, of being victims and like, oh, they overlooked our guy or they overlooked this because we're K-State, we're not Alabama. Um, and fortunately Deuce Vaughn was good enough to rise above that and part of that is credited to the fact that Chris Kleiman has come in and made K-State a legitimate force again and something that people nationally have to recognize as oh that that team's going to be competitive every year with him they're going to be in the top 25 and they're going to put on good performances and so I I think it's all well deserved and I think it's just most of all important for uh, a guy like that to be able to succeed at K-State and all of us feel happy for him. We have three other All-Americans, Cooper Beebe, Felix Amy, D.K. Uzama, and Malik Knowles. Uh, what what about their legacies? I, I know, at least for Malik, I love that he got in there uh, on the CBS team, second team, as an all-purpose offensive weapon, which is, is where uh, Deuce Vaughn actually has gotten some of his All-American accolades as well. So I loved him getting on there, not as a returner, but as an all-purpose offensive player, but uh, those three guys, what does it do for their legacies to make these All-American lists as well? Well, I think it's big because, it, you know, it, it gives them some of the accolades too where at, at whatever point, whether it's 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when uh, they're trying to determine more people to go into a ring of honor, like you you have that there to to just stamp on the resume and pretty much anybody can tell you, yeah, they belong up there. 
Um, because what, what K State doesn't have an offensive lineman up there right now, right? The, Correct. So, uh, like Nick Lecky, I think yep. was a two-time first-team All-American. Uh, Cooper Beebe, I mean, hell, maybe that's why Cooper needs to come back next year so he can uh, become a two-time uh, All-American. Uh, but there are no offensive linemen at all yeah. in the Ring of Honor right now. And, and I, I, I think that like. Lecky's a guy the next round probably deserves a, like a serious look and consideration. Um, I think that there have been when, you know, they were trying to determine this last cycle and, and who went up like this year. Um, I was glad to see some of the guys that were on that list, but there are also some others there that still probably deserve their due um, and, and at least some extra consideration. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that like Deuce and Felix are both going to end up up there. At some point, they play premier positions and they have this place in K-State lore now. I think, it, I think it makes it even better that the two of them are roommates. So you have the two best players on your Big 12 title team are roommates and like genuine best friends. Like watching their interaction after they beat KU and Deuce is surrounded by media and Felix comes, you know, trying to sneak in there. And he like he doesn't talk to the media a ton but he's got this giant personality. He had lost his keys to their, to their apartment or their house. And so he sneaks in there and Deuce is like talking to everybody and he's trying to get his attention to get his keys from him so he can go back home after the game. And they're going back and forth and he's like, Oh, Oh, I'll just ask your mom. And he like walks out. Um, so like, I just think all that makes it great. But the fact that those guys were able to make it too, um, is, is awesome. And, um, it's great for like this staff to go on and sell because when they first got here, they could pitch what they had done at North Dakota state. And, and that would have gotten some people to listen and be on board. They could have pitched what had been done before at K state. And that would have gotten some other people on board as well. But now what they're able to do is not only come in here and say, Hey, look, we're at K state. It's been done here before we have this in our background. And not only have we won at K state now, but also we've done it by taking guys that were overlooked and turning them into legitimate dudes in college football that are going to get, whether it's this year or next year, shots in the NFL. And maybe they don't end up going as high as maybe we think that they should, but they're going to get those opportunities. And like, you know, Felix was a two-star and we've seen the picture that went around of him on his visit where that guy's not going to be the best defensive end in the big 12, but then he was. And now back he's going to be years. Yeah, back exactly. Back defensive lineman of the year. So that's big. Deuce Vaughn overlooked because of his height. We know about that. And Cooper Beebe, who his rivals profile refers to him as a defensive tackle. And he turned into the best offensive lineman in the big 12. And so all of these guys you can point to and say, not only were we able to develop them and turn them into good college football players, they're now set up to go on to the next level and succeed. And we did that at K state. We, we thank God we are removed from K-State having to try and use Carson Wentz as their salesperson for getting you to the next level because it's not going very well for Carson Wentz. My apologies to Hank Jacobs, who I did offend one time uh, in the K-Man studio, uh, just trying to, you know, razz him. I'm a Cowboys guy. And like I said, what's what's it like to know the second best quarterback in the NFC East? Um, I did apologize to him after the Liberty Bowl, though, uh, because – Wentz and the Eagles made the playoffs that year and the Cowboys didn't. But it, I think it's it just it's big for them to be able to pitch that their dudes that they were able to develop and win with at K-State are now in a position to go on to the next level and succeed. And they took on these major transformations where obviously it's not like 
Deuce is, you know, they, they didn't find a way to make him grow five inches, but they found a way to show how you could unlock him and, and make him this more talented guy. So uh, I, I think it's big for them. And, and obviously it's big for K-State for the profile of them to, to kind of go around. And I, I think honestly, like Deuce and Felix, most of all, have made it look kind of cool to be at K-State with the way that they're able to play and some of the things they're able to do. And, and a lot of the other players deserve that credit too um, and what they've done. And I think that's going to continue to grow where people are going to, you know, word of mouth uh, from players is going to continue to go. And you'll say, hey, you know, K-State might actually be this place we want to go as opposed to it's not, it, it wasn't cool at K-State, I would say. Uh, when I first got there with the football team, it was still very much like, now they're going to be, they're going to go to work. They're going to find a way to just be smarter than you and, and win seven or eight games every year. And now it's, they're going to have talent and they're a threat to win 10 games any given year. Definitely. The last one before we get to book it or cook it, because we're talking about legacies, you have to talk about Chris Kleiman. Um, I, I, I recall when I found out he was going to be the head coach, I went, when you were hearing his name, when it started becoming, Oh man, this might be the guy melted down a little bit. I melted down for maybe about 25 seconds after, uh, you know, it, it became official. Then I got on board. I think I was an early adapter, but I think by the first game, a lot of folks decided he's our guy. We're on board. Um, that first season, I think a lot of folks really liked what we saw. I think the COVID season, some of the detractors started coming back out. And even last year, I think a lot of it was, can he win without Skylar Thompson? Now here he is uh, with only our third Big 12 championship of all time. I think sixth conference championship of all time. I don't know. Poppy uh, got a couple way back in the day. Uh, I think we need to put those big six championships up on the press box, by the way. Uh, you know, I, we only have those two big 12 ones. I, I said, put the big six ones with pop. I agree. If, there. if Oklahoma state can call yeah, themselves the 19, <laughs> the, the 1840 national champions, like, yeah, throw, you can throw any of them up there. No, you don't need well, to try and have pride. Uh, those aren't even, those aren't even fake. You know, those were, those were like big six or big five, whatever they were conference championships back in the day. It wasn't awarded to us like three years ago, but, but uh, what does it say about see. Chris Kleiman's legacy? Well, uh, looking I'm looking hockey. seven, seven conference titles, 1909, 1910, 1912, and 1934. Yeah. We need uh, those up on the press box. Do I need to talk to Ryan Lackey about that? Yeah. Who do I need to talk to? Now the, the ones 1912 and prior, those were KCAC titles. Um, so I, I don't know if you'd put those up there. So I, this is where if I was on radio and I was more a representation of myself and I could be kind of hot takey, I would have said like, something mean to like Kansas Wesleyan or friends or something. Um, but I'm not, I'm definitely not going to, you know, just toss in a sarcastic suck at K woo. Not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. Um, but what it says about Chris Kleiman is that like everything that people once, I think everybody realized when he first spoke like, okay, this dude deserves a chance and he's going to, he's going to at least be a fit here. And he's going to deserve the time to turn this thing into his own because um, I, I do think in, in some of these areas, it takes a certain person to succeed in, in the Midwest and specifically like Kansas. I I've talked about this a lot, mainly when uh, Wichita state was trying to search for an athletic director last spring, they needed a guy that understood this area. 
the guy they brought in before Kevin Saul, who's there now, is Dar- was Darren Boatwright. The dude had absolutely zero knowledge of what it was like to be a Kansan or a Midwesterner, and he was trying to run things like he was in the South, and it kind of rubbed people the wrong way. And they needed a guy that was going to be able to come in and figure some stuff out. What did they do? Well, they went and got a guy that grew up in Manhattan, and he he tell, would tell a story about how like his sister dated a player on the Wichita State baseball team, so he knew that. He ended up working, uh, had some time in like KU athletics, and it worked. It's working for them right now. Same thing has now happened for like KU. The thing that turned football around for him is they made a logical hire for the first time in Lance Leipold that he understands this area. He knows what it's like, how you interact with people. And he was hired by an athletic director that 100% understands like how things work around here. And K-State was able to do that with Chris Kleiman. Like Gene Taylor, when he was hired, that made a ton of sense. Like John Curry did some good things for K-State, but he rubbed some people the wrong way because he wasn't really, you know, kind of in the flow of how most of us around the K-State in the state kind of act and, and would like to see somebody interact. Gene, having his experience at North Dakota State in Iowa, he 100% understood it. And he has always felt like a fit to K-State. And so then he made a hire that felt like that. And when he spoke for that first time, you go, okay, this thing can work. And he's going to have enough attached to him that feels like it's still that K-State brand of football, which Bill Snyder created. But he's going to do enough things to turn this into what can be a successful version of it in you know 2019 and beyond and he's proven that with everything he's done and it's it's great for him that they were able to accomplish this this fast because there's the scenario where you know something happens this year and they they miss the championship game by one game or they get there and they lose and you, you never know when you're getting back to one of these things like 2003 people probably thought oh we we've been here three times in the last five years we're going to be coming back at some point. And it was nine years until you won another one. And really nine years until the football team looked like K-State football again. And so now that he's done it, he's been able to kind of change the trajectory of things to where, oh, maybe we're not going to have this drop off in K-State sports next year now with, with football. Maybe it's going to continue to, you know, kind of stay on, on a nice level. And I, I just think that the way he was able to accomplish it is impressive. And he's found a way to honestly exceed my expectations for for what he had. Like, I thought, yes, they could win conference titles with Chris Klein, and I thought they could have this success. I didn't know if it would come this quickly, um, and I didn't know that it was going to, to look like this, where, yes, Oklahoma was down this year, but they did not win a down Big 12. Like, this was a competitive league this year, and they had to beat a team in the college football playoff to win the conference. That's a significant deal. Um, so he he deserves all the credit and legacy wise, like as long as things don't just completely bottom out, um, he's going to be in the, I mean, nobody's ever going to obviously reach Bill Snyder, but he is already to the point where people are going to speak of him very fondly for a very long time at K-State, not only because he won at K-State, but because of how he won, what he was able to do with the players that he brought in and at 100%, the way that he just feels like he is he is K-State. Like he fits in with you, me, and everybody else that went to school there, 
and that loves K-State and loves Manhattan. And even though he's not from there, he feels like a fit. And that's really important, whether people, you know, will like it or not. Um, some of these bigger jobs, you can get away with not having a fit. Um, like, you know, Brian Kelly at LSU. It's not going to matter if he's a fit or not. He's a good football coach, and LSU is always going to get talent, whatever. Um, same type of deal at Ohio State. You bring in a good football coach there who just knows what he's doing. It doesn't matter if he's from Florida, California, Texas, wherever. He's going to work there. But in some of these spots where you don't have all the resources and you don't have a century worth of history to back you up, you need somebody that is actually going to fit in and work and, and get people to like you and be on board and support you. And I think that's important. And even though, um, just to bring basketball back in this for a second, even though Jerome Tang and his staff have much different backgrounds and it's not like any of them are Midwesterners by trade, certainly the way that they act and they treat people 100% fits in with how uh, like K-State people would think that their values are. And I think that's one of the reasons that they're going to be successful is because people see that and say, okay, you don't have the, the Midwest backgrounds that we do, but your ideals and the way that you're, you're acting 100% fit with us. And we want to be like you, you want to be like us, like we support what you're doing. So um, I, I think it's a really good time for, for K-State and, and the way things are going. And uh, I look forward to seeing what Chris Kleiman can do over you know, the, in like the next three years now, like, where do you take this? And can you parlay this into putting together multiple conference championships in, you know, a close span? Because that's the one thing that like Bill Snyder was great. And I'm not trying to say, say this to sound like some youngin that wants to, you know, tear down what Bill Snyder built, but it is sad that you look back at it and he only has 2003 and 2012 to show for one, because he deserved more than that. And two, because it feels like that whole era feels like, well, you probably would tell somebody they only won two conference championships with Bill Snyder there. They'd be surprised. And for one of them to come the second time around, like that that's the one thing that I'm hoping uh, we're able to, to see with Chris Kleiman is that this turns into, you know, like 2027, he's got a second championship by that time or something. Um, I think that would be important. As you were talking about that, I actually uh, I actually looked up that 1934 Big Six uh, championship. Uh, Poppy Wolderf. Uh, here here's a fun fact: the second game of the season was at Manhattan University, the Jaspers football team at famous Ebbets Field in Brooklyn, wow. uh, Brooklyn, New York. So. Uh, I think it's funny that a the Manhattan College, you know, uh, you know, city of Manhattan, uh, playing in Brooklyn, their home games in Brooklyn, uh, that's a little funny. But again, famous Ebbets Field, so K State in in their uh, 1934 conference championship season played their second game of the season at Ebbets Field. That's a uh, that that's big time. I'm 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 looking at now a tie nonetheless. Yes, 13. Yes. Yes, that, that was a uh, fun season, opening up with a win versus Fort Hayes, uh, a tie versus uh, Manhattan College, uh, a loss in front of 11,000 folks uh, versus Marquette mm -hmm. in Milwaukee, and then a nice 13-0 drubbing of KU, uh, 21 to nothing shellacking at Tulsa, but then we brought it to Washburn, Missouri, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Nebraska. 
to win that big six championship. So uh, what a fun season that was. Yeah. It, I would love to hear from anybody that re- that remembers making that drive to Tulsa and uh, what, what, what were the conversations like, you know, what was the, <laughs> what was the, the Ford dealers wrap up show? Like when you were calling into whoever was calling radio games back then, like uh, I would love to know the takes that were popped off after a 21, nothing lost to Tulsa. I, I imagine it like, um, all of the like Cleveland citizens in major league after things start to go awry again, like, oh, this team's no good. They suck. And then they rip off five in a row to, to win it all. Yeah. Think about the highs and lows there, you know, a nice little win versus Fort Hayes state going all the way out to Brooklyn to tie losing in Milwaukee, taking care of the squawks thinking, all right, here we go. And then getting shut out versus the golden hurricane. Whew. My God, that was that was a pretty good Tulsa team, though. They were five, two and one, uh, and their only losses were to TCU and then a road trip to Washington, D.C. and losing to George Washington. So, yeah, look at the juggernaut that was the Southern College Football Independence Group. I mean, my goodness, I'm I'm a little impressed whenever I see these schedules uh, and see that teams traveled that far back then. Like well, that would have been Tulsa's only road trip was to Washington DC yeah. that year. So I just I mean, I, I, good for them. I imagine that K State went to Brooklyn and then they uh took a train to Milwaukee before coming back to Manhattan, but that's just a guess. Yeah, yeah that's know. probably a good call. Anyone who was around for that nineteen thirty-four uh conference championship season. Uh, please let me know your thoughts on it. But now it's time to get to a classic, one of my favorites as a listener. And I think we've played versions of it, uh, you and me, in this show as well. And that is Book It or Cook It. But before we do, remember, we are also sponsored. They've been riding with us ever since the summer. Charlie Hustle. I'm currently wearing an Arrowhead Collection uh, crew neck sweatshirt. It is the most comfortable sweatshirt I own. Uh, actually, it's tied with the four other uh, Charlie, actually, no, it's five. It is five other Charlie Hustle sweatshirts I have. I have a Jay Rieger & Co. Uh, sweatshirt. I have a Kansas City Heart sweatshirt. And then I have three officially licensed K-State crew neck sweatshirts from Charlie Hustle. I wear these all winter long. Uh, they're comfortable. Mason, I promise you, if you buy one of them, it will be the most comfortable one you own. I know you won't be buying an Arrowhead collection one, but if you the next time you're in Manhattan, after Same. you get a pint at Manhattan Brewing Company, this is hashtag no free ads because the K-State Superstore does not, uh, you know, they don't sponsor this show. Mm-hmm. But Charlie Hustle has some exclusives in the K-State Superstore. Exclusive K-State officially licensed crew neck sweatshirts. Go pick one up, wear it. I know you're a hoodie guy, but I promise you it'll be no, the most uh- comfortable crew neck you own. Look, I, I, I need to get a, a new K-State shirt because the last one I got, I, I, I don't buy it anymore. I just wait until K-State loses a bowl game and grab the leftovers for free. I just there wanted to is. show you, I wore this for today, my uh, AutoZone Liberty Bowl 2019 Champs K-State shirt. So. Yes, that, that was amazing. I, I remember you telling the story of grabbing that. That That is awesome. Uh, I love that you have that. Uh, I Honestly, you should have grabbed an extra one or two uh, and sell it to some sort of collector. Because I should I, have. I bet, I bet like, you know, 20 years from now, someone would have paid like at least 50, 60 bucks. Yeah, only two of these in, in circulation right now. The one I'm wearing and then the one hanging in the K-Man sports office. So originally we were just going to get one for the office 
And I was like, cause you know, I'm kind of a weird like gear guy and I, I enjoy that stuff. I was like, I kind of want one for myself though. Like that's kind of, so um, I had like my big winter coat on and Mitch props to Mitch Fortner for being the first guy that was like, he, he was going to have the stones to actually do it. And so I became the accomplice. And once we put one in there, it's like skipping class, you skip one, it becomes easier to do it again and again. So once you steal one shirt from the Liberty bowl, it becomes easy to steal the second. So I just put them both in there. And I mean, we were like on the middle of the field. And I was like, I hope nobody from the press box is watching this and like, what's going on down there. Um, but I, let me tell you, I'm going to shout out to the sugar bowl. I'm going to keep my eyes out when I'm down there. So whether it's a K state or an Alabama one, I will be on the hunt after the game. I love it. Let's start off with a sugar bowl, book it or cook it, book it or cook it. The two superstars for Alabama will play in the game because they need to play versus the ultimate brand. That is the Kansas state Wildcats. Uh, now are you asking me they will, or they need to, they will, they okay. will play book it or cook it. I'm going to, I'm going to cook it. It just, it doesn't make any sense like why everybody else in, in college football opts out now. And even though it's Nick Saban, like, are we really going to think that Saban is going to have this magical power over them? And they're like, yeah, I'm going to go out there, play one more. I don't know. I just, I think with the way everything works now, um, somebody's going to get in their ear and say, don't do it there. It's not worth it. Plus they've already won a national title at, at Alabama. So it's not like it's, you know, they lost in the playoff last year and you want to go out on a high note and leave some more legacy behind. You've already done the ultimate goal there and you you were able to do all these things. Just get out of there and, and don't play. I would love to see them play. Um, like, I think that'd be awesome to see K-State go up against Alabama's best. It's also not going to break my heart if they don't. Um, but I'm going to cook it because I, I just don't see any way it happens. We'll stay talking about superstars, book it or cook it. At least two of K-State's All-Americans are back next year. All-Americans um, Deuce Vaughn, Cooper I'm Beebe, going... Malik Knowles, and uh... Felix. Felix. Oh, yeah, of course, Felix. Uh, I'm going to say who I think may or may not come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you think one of those guys is already out the door? Uh, I'm going to say book it. I think that they do get two back. Um, it seems like there's probably some momentum towards basically all the offensive linemen coming back next year. Um, and I do think like, if you look around, um, one Cooper Beebe is not as high as he should be on some of these lists that these, these draft people have put out. Um, but I think because of that, and because there are so many other options out there that like, he might as well come back and dominate for another year play alongside your brother for a season as well and have that kind of there for you. Um, and like, again, just play into that. Like if you come back as an all American and one of the best in the big 12 next year, like the buzz is going to be even higher. Um, and so I, I do think that we probably get one there. And then um, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's probably two of those four. Um, I, it's just a matter of which one ends up being, I think because of the position he plays, Felix Angel DK Uzama is the most unlikely of those four to come back. Um, Cause like go out there, get it started early. And 
the way teams rotate with guys now defensively, it's not like you need to be one of the studs in like a high draft pick to get onto the field. Like if you can contribute, you can contribute. Like we're seeing that with Timmy Horn with the Falcons. Like I did not anticipate Timmy Horn coming to K-State and then having a career in the NFL. And who knows being how long it backup, lasts. Being the backup at K-State and having yeah. a career in the NFL. And so that's one of those where like get in and, and go find yourself a spot. Um, like, you know, there, there's going to be teams that, that see your talent. Uh, doesn't sound like the Buffalo bills are one of those. Um, so that, that, uh, that blew me away. There is some sentiment that, uh, that Felix should return to school next year and, and develop some more. Uh, and the Buffalo bills are one of those teams as their scout said before the big 12 championship started, like he's down there and he's rattling off like uh, props to Alec. Who's not afraid to talk to anybody. Uh, and he just goes, hey, who are, who are you kind of looking for today? He's like, oh, the receiver for TCU, the running back, the offensive lineman, the corner. Uh, and then he was like, well, like, who who for K-State? And he goes, uh, they got a guard, uh, the running back. Uh, he may have said somebody else. Oh, the corner, he's meaning, talking about Julius Brents. And then uh, he just, like, stopped. And we're waiting on the elevator. And Alec goes, the defensive end? <laughs> and he goes, he needs to go back to school. Or he needs to stay at school. Something like that. And we just kind of stared at each other. And was like, okay, like, whatever. Um, so I don't think the Bills are going to have Felix on their draft board, it sounds like. But I think that there are probably a lot of other teams that would take him and would play him next season. So um, I, I think – I think two seems like a, a logical answer. So I'll, I'll go book it and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. If I had a pick right now, um, I would say that, that BB and Vaughn are the two that I think are the most likely to come back next season. All right. Book it or cook it. Chris Kleiman ends his K-State career with the most conference titles out of every coach. Micah Hearn has two. Of course, Bill Snyder has two. And then Pappy has uh, one. And then Guy Loman as the 1912 KCAC. Ah, uh, man. This is, I mean, this is a tough one. Um, and I, I'm trying to, you know, give myself a little bit of time here. So I'm not like prisoner of the moment be like, well, I just won one. So here comes more. Um, but I'm going to say book it. Like he's going to be playing in theoretically an easier conference than what Snyder had to deal with. I mean, that's the thing where Snyder 2.0, it was only 10 teams, but still very good. Um, but that, that first era, like it was 12 teams and like you well, were going to play even before 12, you had Nebraska and Colorado yeah. out their peak, a top 10 KU one year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing like that, the real deal. And it wasn't just that you were playing a great team in the title game. It was the fact that like you were going to play three good teams in a row in your regular season in division like that. And and that's why those, those North division titles do deserve more credit for, for bill and what happened there, because it's not like it would have been like this year, if you threw like Colorado and Missouri in there or something, it's like, Oh, that your division kind of sucked. No, those, that was a real deal. Like all those teams. Now he, like there were years where that the North sucked down the, the stretch, but early on there, like it was a big deal, but I, I'll say book it. I, I do think he can get to what two's the the clubhouse leader right now, Ahern and Snyder. 
Um, I'm going to say he can at least get the two to tie him. I mean, he's already got the one, and it seems like he's probably going to be here a lot longer, and he's going to put together some good teams again. Uh, and if he could build a conference title winner this quick, he can certainly do it again, and he's going to be able to do it in a league where you look around, I mean, it's going to be K-State, Oklahoma State, TCU, uh, and, and Baylor, and then we'll see which of the new schools is able to kind of come around and say, hey, we should be the, the top of this league. So I, I will say he gets to at least two and ties those guys with the chance to, to get a third. Book it or cook it, Keontae Johnson, first team all Big 12. Book it. I, I've, I've I've thought this since very early in the season watching him play. Like, he, he has been fantastic for them this year, and he's looked better than what I would have anticipated coming off of everything that went on. Um, you know, Jerome Tank said this on Sunday after the game where sometimes like he has to, to, you know, take a step back and, and not expect so much of Keontae because sometimes the game comes so easy to him where it looks like he's going at half speed and, and Tang wants to get on him. And then he looks down and he's like, well, he's actually doing everything we want him to. Um, we'll see if he can keep it up in conference play. Obviously the competition level is going to heat up, but Anybody that was a preseason SEC player of the year uh, certainly can do it in their league, and he's going to only get more comfortable with being back on the floor. So I, I think it's it's going to happen, and he's going to give a lot of teams headaches, and, and it certainly helps that he's shooting the ball well. And I don't think we've even seen the best of Keontae Johnson yet. So he's going to keep get, getting better, and the numbers I think are going to stay stable. Um, so I, I do think he's a first-team All-Big 12 player. Book it or cook it, K-State or basketball gets two wins out of the six versus KU, Baylor, and Texas during the regular season. Book it. Book it. Yeah. It certainly helps that uh, that one of those guys might be wearing an orange suit, and it's not because he coaches at Texas. Yeah, um, that question might have been a little bit tougher three days ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have thought a little bit more about it. But honestly, even then, like, I think they would have beaten Texas this year in one of the games, regardless of Chris Beard getting arrested. Um, now that it seems like there's some dysfunction there, that makes some sense. And Baylor's kind of been the boogeyman in the regular season the last few years where they've really beaten K-State bad, where even like those teams that were bad down the stretch with Weber, they were able to hang with, like have their moments against all the other teams in the league. Outside of that game in Kansas City in 2021, that was not the case with Baylor. Like they were, they throttled K State in the regular season. So I do think that this year it helps to have Tang, who was on all those staffs, has that relationship, is going to know how to attack Baylor a little bit better, like to an even deeper level. Um, so I'm not saying that's one of the games they win, but they could certainly do it. And I mean, Baylor is not as good this year, and they look a little loose at times um, than, than what they've done in the past few years. And We'll see. I mean, he's not going to win the game in Allen, um, but the crowd's going to be at a whole new level, and I think this team is going to be ready to embrace to embrace it, and we'll just see what it's like. I think it's going to be – I mean, that's going to be a fun environment because K-State basketball has more juice than it's had in a long, long time now. But also, I say this in the nicest way possible, and he should take it as an honor, but – Grady Dick is in the running for one of the most hateable KU players in a long time. And to him as a Jayhawk, 
he should embrace that. And that's a credit to him for how good he is. And I say, this is somebody that his dad is a very nice guy. His dad talked to me. We called the sunrise game last year, came up, talked to me, all this stuff was very nice. Like all this respect for him, but he looks like what, if you are not a KU fan, you're like a uh, classic Kansas. Like I, so that's going to be fun to see how he plays it up and plays into it and how KU embraces it. K-State obviously will do it. And I think we know Marquise Noel is going to be juiced up for that game because I, I don't know that anybody has become Emaw quicker than Marquise Noel in his life. Maybe Reggie Stubblefield. I was just Maybe about those to say two the guys. sauce boss, those two guys. Yeah, I, those I, kind two. Of, I kind of wish KU would not have played that road game versus Missouri uh, because I, I imagine that atmosphere is the only one that will rival what Bramlage mm-hmm. will be this year. But uh, I got one more book it or cook it, and then I'll ask a seasonal question, and then I'll let you get back to your day. Final book it or cook it. Book it or cook it. Gonzaga plays a con- plays conference basketball games in the Big 12 before you die. <laughs> um, so like 80 years oh. from now. I mean, we got a lot of, I mean, we got a lot of time here. Um, so I'm going to say book it. I mean, what the, it, even if the big 12 is not their next step, their next step is the PAC 12 who is the PAC 12 going to be around in, in 40 years. Probably not like whatever. Um, so, and I got nothing to lose. Like if you're still doing this podcast in 80 years and I'm gone, a credit to you for, for keeping it going and, and you know, everything else that happens, um, but I got nothing to lose with this one. I, I, I think it happens at some point. I won't put like you a want quick it to happen. I, I, I don't care. I'd prefer it not to. Do you really I, have an opinion? That's that's how I, I, I don't care one way or the other. It's awesome. It's like another feather in the cap for Brett Yormark to be like, look at this. I came in, I just kicked ass and I put together this awesome basketball conference just, you know, on a whim, like woo, woo, woo. Um, but it, it doesn't really do much. Like I, I've, I, I've banged the drum TV and basketball doesn't really make a difference like it so it would just be good for the the name brand of the big 12 to have gonzaga it would be cool um it's it's a little bit tougher right now to say like it'd be awesome because you're already getting ready to add houston who was just the number one team a week ago you're adding cincinnati who has this track record of being good even though the last few years haven't been great um but that's they had a whole mess there. Look at me, Mr. Mr. American Athletic Conference for two years. Uh, John Brannon ran that program into the ground. But Wes Miller, he may be short. He may be overhyped uh, with the way he bounces around and everything. He's kind of fun to watch, coach a game. He, he, I think he'll do fine things there. And then BYU can always be solid, whatever. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a difference to me one way or the other. I, I could care less if Gonzaga's in. But if they are going to leave the WCC and they're going to go to the Pac-12 or Big 12, don't be an idiot. Join the real conference. Like, that's that's where I would go with it. So that'd be the only way that I really felt anything about it. But, yeah, I'm, I, I don't care. All right. Well, that's all we have. I would like you, because we're only, as we're recording this, 10 days away from Christmas, as folks are going to be listening nine days away, so I want you to share your favorite Christmas tradition and then also tell all the boneheads what you got going on over at EMA online. Uh, favorite Christmas tradition. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause uh, tr- you know, everything changes when, when you get married, cause you got like a, a new set of like Christmases you have to attend uh, and you have to kind of roll into some different things. Um, 
I will. Uh, this is more. So this is something that we used to do when when I was younger, um, and and obviously still living at home when I was like ten years old. Um, but I I would enjoy. So we would go to Christmas Eve service, and when we would get done, we would go home. We would change. Then when we would get back out, um, and then two opposite ends of the spectrum, we would either go and get ice cream or we'd go and get hot chocolate and we would drive around and look at Christmas lights. Um, and it wasn't like, Oh man, that's really pretty. It was more so to just kind of laugh at like, it's really trashy or like those are ugly stuff like that. Um, so, so I, you like, guys I would like drive around and nag all the uh, Christmas decorations. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and you know, like there can be some good ones. You go, Oh, that's pretty good. And th- that looks good. But it was more so when you went by one that was like, you know, they had a thousand like, pieces to this thing that they put together and it's like look at the lights so that would probably be uh the one that i would throw out there the one now that i would suggest to some people that you know you you think we just had like thanksgiving dinner uh, in in november and we don't want to double up on that type of meal in uh december the shift that my family made a couple years ago uh we, we always would go to my grandparents on christmas is now, instead of doing like ham and all that stuff again, now it's transitioned into we have two different types of soups. So typically you either get or you either get chicken and noodles or chili, and then there are just sandwiches there. So that's a good little idea for anybody that is uh, wanting to go a little bit more low key and not double down on what you've done. So now that's kind of what I look forward to is just, you know, the these these options for food that are there all day long. Uh, and and going from there. So, and uh, my 2022 tradition is uh, a, I'm going to be in Northeast Kansas at my wife's family this weekend. Um, so I want my tradition to involve Argentina winning me money on Sunday. So, well, I, I hope I hope they take care of it. I'm going to be cheering for France over Argentina. I don't like Messi, but if they win, I'll be happy to get money. Uh, tell all the boneheads all the great stuff you guys are doing over at EMA Online. Yeah, uh, email online, part of Rivals, go on over there. And uh, all this week, it, it was finals week in Manhattan, so I did a little series called Finals Week where I gave my grades on the different positions at K-State, kind of explained uh, what went down there and my my reasoning for all that. And then also threw in the PFF grades for the season on everybody so we could look at it. And for, I think, a lot of people probably just go ahead and say, you're you're flat wrong, you're an idiot, what are you doing, PFF? Like he was better than that. Um, so it's just kind of a, a fun thing to look at this week. And then obviously signing day is coming up. So we'll have a ton of stuff that continues with recruiting that uh, pops up and everything. And with basketball uh, continuing on, we'll have plenty of content coming from that uh, and and following along with Tang and, and the gang as they get ready for a conference play coming up here in 16 days. And then the Sugar Bowl, I'm sure we'll have some fun stuff down there. I don't know that I'm going to get uh, like a gift card that I wouldn't use in any other capacity this year, like I did when I went to Memphis. So no, you're not going to get like an email online or the game bowl suite like we did uh, at the Bass Pro in Memphis. Although that would be very fun if I just was like, Alec, I've got a hundred dollar gift card. Let's find a way to spend all this money at like, I don't know what, what the, the sponsors would be down there, but we'll, we'll do some fun stuff in new Orleans, probably get me out of my comfort zone. Uh, Cause I hate people and going around. So maybe if we experience bourbon street or something, I'll, I'll do something and uh, we'll turn it into content on the site, but we'll, we'll continue to try and get more and more creative uh, as we continue to get our feet under us. It feels like it's been a very long time now that I've been doing this. It's only been three months and 14 days. 
uh, since, since, uh, we took over and did this. Uh, and that's why I've talked so long, uh, on, on some of these answers today, because I've not been on the radio in over three months and, you know, you can only do so much in, in the podcast we produce. So I, I love the, the medium to be able to get back on the mic and talk some more. Well, I, after I hear that now, uh, you, you probably just shot yourself in the foot. I'm probably going to ask you to come on even more than I already do. So watch out. You guys will be hearing a lot more Mason on Bosco's boys. Uh, so that's all we have. Again, we've done five shows a week, every week, dating back all the way to June. I said this on the live show uh, that we did on Wednesday. And hell, I said this last week as well. I don't know. Next week might be the week it dies because, uh, you know, I I don't know, man. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. And then if it doesn't die that week, you know, I know the Bulls the following week, but I mean, ugh, it's going to be my 31st birthday. I don't know. We, I'm like 10 shows away from trying to find a way to get through the end of 2022 before I bring it back to like two or three a week in January. Uh, I don't know if I'll make it, but uh, I, I want to thank you for helping me get to the end of this week and giving the uh, fans uh, some of that nostalgic uh, Mason both book it or cook it that they've been desiring. Here's what I, I think you need to do. Uh, you're aware of the, 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 the home run ball guy, Zach Hample that steals balls from kids and everything. Yes. 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 Um, so uh, the guy bothers the hell out of me. I, I like, and I shouldn't get this frustrated at whatever. Um, but like my freshman year of college, when I had nothing going on, I would watch a bunch of his videos because I do love stadiums and like he went all over to all these different games and I would watch these videos mainly just to see different parts of these stadiums and like some of the whatever. And he made this big deal. Like this is the blah, 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 blah consecutive game that I've caught a ball at or whatever. And it's like, you didn't catch a ball. Like you yelled at a security guard for like 50 minutes and he got sick of your shit and tossed you one, like whatever. Um, But he made some big deal at one point. He was like, I'm not even bringing my glove today. I'm letting the streak die. Like it's just been too much pressure on me, all this stuff. So I think if you just make like a big deal out of it, like this is my rest day, this is my, my seventh day. And then Scott rest, like, I think people will understand it. And like, they'll, they'll be like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, gotta let him reset and everything. So he make a big deal about it and let people know you got the streak and just say, I'm doing this on purpose because it's too much pressure. Well, I, I, I did say this uh, because we've had at least one show every uh, Monday, every week, uh, or for over four years. And, and we're going to, uh, coming up this summer, it'll be every, every Monday um, for over five years straight. I'm not going to let that die, but I am going to pre-record like five or six episodes like in a one-week span schedule them out and then just step away from the mic either in May or June. I haven't decided which month and then just kind of let that go and let that be my reset. But I, I I've said it. I think the day that there is no episode of Bosco's voice on a Monday, the show's just ne- not going to come back. Just like if something happens, like, Nope, not even going to announce it. The show's just dead. Yeah. Uh, idea for you when you're pre-recording episodes, this is something I don't know if we ever actually executed it on the game, but it was an idea that we had kicked around mainly during COVID was, uh, and I don't know, we're taking some serious creativity, but if we did segments like say, like we were in 1998. And so we're like complaining about the BCS in 1998 or, you know, the A&M game and all that. 
Um, and so like putting yourselves in an era of K-State sports and you're supposed to talk about something or argue for or against it like it you would have done in the moment then. So that's something you can think about like in the summer, you got a lull, you need some content. It's like, I'm going to drop myself in the middle of the 1934 K-State football season and I'm, dr- I'm driving back from Tulsa, Oklahoma and I'm pissed that Pappy and the boys just lost to Tulsa. What the hell? I, I don't know who the athletic director was at the time, but you're like, I'm, I'm going to send uh, an actual letter to his office on Monday and ask that Pappy be removed from his position and all this stuff. So that's just something to consider. That, that might be good. One of our first COVID shows was the history of Bosco the dog. Uh, shout out to Will Dubois, who did a lot of that research for us. He also does our graphics. I might have to bring him on for one of those uh, episodes and just kind of revisit the history of Bosco. Because at that point, I mean, it's going to be like two, three years, you know, old of an episode. So I might just have to revisit that because Bosco was a very, very good boy. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have. Uh, Mason, thank you so much for coming on. All the Boneheads, thank you for listening, continuing this ride with me. That's been going close to six months at this point. As I've ended a lot of the shows during the month of December, this is the season of giving. If you have the means, please consider giving to a charitable cause near and dear to your heart. Send your mom a Christmas card. I guarantee she will love it. That's all we have. So for Mason, for Chauncey Bosco, the best dog in the world and a great co-host, we love you guys and go Cats. Christmas time is here.
keeps a spirit through the years. Oh, celebrate, 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 yeah, yeah. It's Christmas time, yeah. Podcast Network.